cool. So I don't know if it's just recording my whole screen in general or just the Zoom meeting. Right. Um, but we'll we'll find out. <laughs> yes, we'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. So welcome to Mind Meets Words. Wait, no. Mind. <laughs> welcome to Mind the Words first episode, <laughs> uh, where we, uh, Ernest, and me, John, we're gonna break down a few quotes from famous and maybe not so famous people. All right. So, uh, all right, Ernest. I'm excited. Yeah. Yes. Should we start with an intro on like of us, how we met, why we wanted to do this? Real sure, quick. sure, sure. I can. I'll start off. If you don't know. Yeah. Lie. Go for it. All right. Well, I think I told you this already, but I met you before I knew you. There were a few people at work that just raved about you. Like, <laughs> I thought you were going to say like some, I met you no. like psychically in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going in that direction. But yeah, they raved about you. I think it was at least two or three people that worked with you, I believe in New York Press. Yeah. And they raved about you. So I think we were all just anticipating your arrival. I mean, everybody, because they were really sincere in what they were saying. And then when you finally arrived, I have to say they, they were absolutely, <laughs> they were on the money. They were right. So it's been a pleasure working with you since. Um, and I'm glad um, we figured out that we have like minds and we're making this happen. Yeah, thanks, man. It's a pleasure working with you too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Ernest trained me in this uh, job over here. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, let's be, <laughs> but, even uh, though I oriented you, it was more like just teaching you what we do in our department. You pretty much got it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Gotta also love the 8% match we got. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All right, so a little about this uh, podcast. I, I also thought of it just because we're both putting out content and then I figured this could be the side thing to our side thing, just a little fun thing to do. Because um, right. the more I listen to famous people, are not famous, but really well-off people, they said one of the forms of leverage is uh, content creation and the creator economy that's coming and uh, just how people are scaling themselves and their income and their brand or whatever it is via social media or the internet. And now we all have this superpower, the internet. We all could kind of do something else uh, in terms of income or add an additional source of income with the internet. Uh, and some people are consumers and some people are producers. And I've been consuming a lot and I'm a bit tired of consuming. So here we are in the producing side. Right. All right. So uh, our first quote that we're going to break down in a deepish dive, maybe, maybe not, is what right. Shaq said to his kids. He said, we ain't rich, I'm rich. Right. And the context is, so just the context on Shaq, he made over 250 million in the NBA and millions more on endorsement. His net worth is about 400 mil, more or less maybe. Um, and he was talking about his kids and he said, my kids are older now. They're kind of upset, they're kind of upset with me 
they're not really upset, but they don't understand. I tell them all the time, we ain't rich, I'm rich. So, Ernest, uh, what do you think of that? And then uh, let's break down this uh, quote over here. All right, so let me start by saying I made it a point to go into this blindfolded. Um, I didn't want to, or I didn't want other people's thoughts to influence what I'm saying. So when I did Google the quote that you sent me, I see that there's <laughs> a lot of people wrote things about it. But I said, I want to do my first or initial response to it. And I have to one. say, when I, when I first heard it, my initial response was a smirk. It was, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Both at the surface and when you dig a little deeper, it, it says a lot. It's something that could be expanded to a paragraph, an essay, or even a book um, in the sense that it just touched on so much with just a few words. It's the stickiness in its brevity was what really caught me. Um, you can expand on it. That was my initial thought. And secondly, I would say that it's just one of those things that you hear parents say, you know, it's like those one-liners, like money doesn't grow on trees, or as long as you live under my roof, it's my rules, um, just instill certain values with your kids. Um, but it goes deeper, and I'll get into that a little later. What were your thoughts on it? My thoughts originally, I was thinking of how I was so stressed out thinking of the future, like 30 years ahead, 40 years ahead, 50 years ahead. Mm. And I was like, man, I got to make sure my kids are taken care of. And then right. I kept listening to, so I listened to this podcast, uh, How to Take Over the World. And one of the podcast episodes was about the Rothschilds and how they set up this huge trust fund going down generations. And uh, like only one or two of them, like, are self-made billionaires mm. but like so i don't I, I don't know if they're like sport kids or not or whatever right. but there's right. only one or two of them that like made it right. and then i was like listening then i was thinking of like giving kids stuff that we haven't earned or they haven't earned like how, how are they going to turn out in the future so it right. just took me back to this time where like in brooklyn growing up there was a sushi restaurant like a block two blocks away and everybody kept going there i didn't have sushi till i was like in my 20s dude <laughs> me either, me either. <laughs> well i grew up in flatbush and they didn't have any sushi restaurants nearby you know so similar situation go ahead yeah so i was like there's that appreciation to not having those uh i guess not having a lot right uh growing up and then there's that fire that motivates you to just keep going and do better. And will, will my kids, future kids or right. our kids, like feel that pressure to that fire to right. uh, do more, I guess. And I kind of felt the same way. And so, like I said, I never, I never had sushi. And I guess that brings up another, another thought on trust fund trust fund baby since you mentioned it we might as well just talk about it a little bit because it's all connected to a degree i can't say that i think they're they're fortunate and that's a that's a good thing they do have an advantage in the sense that because they're trust fund babies maybe they do have some guidance 
around them or maybe surrounded by people who do know what to do with money as opposed to someone who won the lottery, which we probably discuss, or someone who has just simply not educated with money that don't know what to do with it. So they spend it, just, just spend it as freely as they can without thinking about how to invest and leverage themselves, you know? Yeah, how would, because I don't have kids. You got, you're going to have two kids. Yeah, two, so, uh, second one on the way. Yeah, and congrats. Thank you. And thank uh, you. so how are you going to handle this situation of, I guess, child rearing of like money and I guess giving them things and how how would you handle that and how have you been handling that? Well, I haven't been handling my, my daughter. <laughs> my daughter is five right now, so it's not something that I'm really concerned about. But from a young age, I am instilling failing. I want her to fail, you know, fail and get back up. And I think that's the most important thing you can do, not to make her feel like everything should be handed to her and that she should give up if she fails, because I think it's part of the learning process. It's the iterations that eventually you kind of figure out your path and helps you grow. But as she gets older, it's going to be a challenge in the sense that I'm not really, I've never been a parent. <laughs> so you kind of just, <laughs> you're maneuvering. Yeah. And exactly, you're maneuvering and trying to figure out your way with your child at the same time. Um, but I will continue to let her fail. And I won't be caught in the construct of, you have to go to school, become a doctor, lawyer. I want her to explore her options, more non-traditional paths if she likes. I'm not gonna stare her away. Like, Probably my parents did. My parents were more like, save, 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 work until you're 65, retire, and have enough money to take care of yourself. They didn't really talk to me about compounding and investing. It was just save, save, save. Like I could have put it under my pillow. Not to say they would want me to, but yeah. that was the goal, to just stack in that sense. But if they discussed compounding earlier, or if I saw it at an earlier age, you know, at some point you would have clicked like, oh, this is what money does. But this is what yeah. money can do. I just wish I was educated a little bit different. But they, did they know about that stuff? You know, that's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure, but I know they probably did put money into their 403B or 401K. And maybe they would have seen it there, but they never shared that information with me. You know, money is kind of like a secret. Where yeah. you stand, how much you have, what's your situation? But now I even approach my parents and ask them, you know, where are you in life now? Or do you feel safe? Or what is the plan if X and Y were to happen? Uh, very similar. My mom, like, never spoke about money. Right. I asked her very recently, maybe like a few, like two, three months ago, like, how much were you making? Right. And she said after taxes biweekly, it was about 600 to 700 per paycheck after wow. taxes. And her, she never got a raise ever that there's no like inflation raise there's no cost of living raise raise wow. never got a raise so she had that for so many years like i don't know it's 20 30 years whatever it is it's like how the fuck like right. <laughs> you're paying off a mortgage you had three kids right. you're paying off loans wow. on top of the mortgage 
when I was 18, she got selected to uh, this low income housing called the Mitchell Llama in New York. And you just pay the maintenance fee. And the maintenance fee at that time when we got selected, it was a it was about like 800 more or less a month. And like thinking of the math, dude, you're getting paid wow. like 600 more or less, 650. And that's like more than half your check to rent. Wow. How the fuck did we live? Wow. And uh, she never, never spoke about it. She took it as a sacrifice, took right. it on the chin. Right. Never told me, but I wish she did because like it would have instilled a lot more fire. Yeah, my parents just never, they never told me, you know, what they were making, how they're making, I mean, how they, how much they were pulling in. We didn't go on these lavish vacations when we were young, but we did have fun. We had a lot of fun. I didn't know the difference. The friends I hung out with, the most they did, like, with their parents went on vacation was back to the country that they came from. <laughs> Yeah. That's where they, that, that was their vacation or they'll send them, they'll send the kid over there or my friend for the summer or for a month, but it was normal. They never spoke about that whole interest part, that whole leverage. I, and you're right. They may not have known about it. Yeah. My mom definitely didn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And then in terms of succession, like, or even giving, do you think you'll kind of, in a way, bend the knee to your kids in a way? So I was talking to our coworker, Jeff. Okay. And I said to him, I don't think I'm going to give anything to my kids, to my future kids, I think. Right. Unless I'm being right. generous or unless right. they have like special issues, then I'll probably do it. And then he said, bro, you don't even have kids. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> what it feels like. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Like, I'm going to give my kids everything I have left. So I'm curious how, what your, your thought is on that. I haven't thought that deep into it, but I did say to myself that I don't think I want to pay for their education. I would prefer that they do it. And obviously that may change depending on my situation, but I can see that I don't want them to strive for necessary. If they want to go to Ivy League, that's fine. They can take out a loan and get a scholarship. <laughs> um, but there's so many, I don't, I don't, you know, this takes us to a whole different topic. I'm not sure what education will be or what it would be like 20 years from now. I can't see it being exactly the same. We have the brand name schools and they look good and they give you leverage when you show up on an interview to say, I went to this college or that college. But I think things will change. And people will find their route, just like you mentioned, the, the leverage of social media and these platforms, podcasts, videos, there's alternate ways to make a living that people weren't thinking about before. I, I'm not sure if I really answered your question. <laughs> I kind of went off on the topic, but I'm trying to gather my thoughts at the same time because I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to approach it. And you're right. When you have kids, you do think differently, but I don't plan to give them the silver spoon right yeah. now that's that's how i see it does your wife give them a silver spoon she says she's not going to she says she's not going to but the verdict is still out <laughs> the verdict is still out she's the kind of person that may not give them like all the clothes and sneakers they want but in another sense will give them everything else and not look at it not look at it evenly but still you kind of doing the same thing, but differently. Like the gift that keeps on giving love. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, love and support, that's that's hands out. I've got to give that. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, 
no money. Um, yeah. All right, I'm gonna stack another quote on this. All I don't right. know if it might be a good idea. I don't know if it might be a recurring thing. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Right. And uh, this is what a quote I thought of because I was like, my grandma had it hard. It was still pretty hard on my mom, but it was maybe slightly better and then it was hard on me but not definitely not as hard as my mom and then now i'm thinking of our children right. in general or the next generation and giving them in a way too much that they become they become so complacent or they can become so like no drive think they deserve everything so that's the quote that came to my mind any thoughts on that i love the quote it, it it's one of those things that are sticky as well that makes you really put things in perspective in how to look at life you don't i guess i approach things and you don't really know until you know but you can do what you can to prevent things that you may foresee and that is something i can see happening if you have it too easy you do get complacent i know that's not the case for everyone we can see kids that come from well-to-do backgrounds who do well and they push themselves so it's not everyone but maybe their parents did a little something or instilled something or it's pressure on them that we don't even know about that kept a healthy a healthy drive but maybe not a he healthy mind who knows you know we there's so many aspects and so many things to think about just thinking about that phrase all right man any final thoughts in our discussion i think there are a few things that popped into my mind with respect to money we don't really know what to do with money like large sums of money in general the rich the poor so to even expect Shaq's kids to understand at such a young age, it's really hard to grasp it because adults don't quite grasp and understand. I was reading this book by Peter Thiel, um, Zero to One, and he explained that when founders for a startup sell their company, they're given this large sum of money and they don't know what to do with it. So they put it in a bank. And the bank doesn't know what to do with it. So they spread it amongst portfolio investors. And the portfolio investors don't know what to do with it. So they spread it amongst stocks. And the stocks want people, I, I forgot the term, but they eventually give them dividends and buybacks. And the cycle continues. There was no part in the chain where anyone really knew what to do with the money. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like one of those things we, with such a large amount of money, you don't really know what to do with it. Um, so I could see why it's difficult for people to grasp that concept. And for me, because I've never had that amount of money, don't even know the trials and tribulations that come yeah. with it. Not to say I don't want it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the last question, would you, uh, someone uh, gave you a billion dollars, you would take it or not? Nah? You want to work up to that. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Dude, I would totally take that. <laughs> I would take it. Hands down, hands down. I I was thinking, you know, and I think I spoke about this with you before or another coworker of ours, Keith. You can live off a dividend. So like when you hear people who won the lottery and then blow their money, all they had to do was really nothing and just live off the dividends. Let's say you won $5 million. Four to 7% would be what? 200 to seven, no, 200 to $350,000 a year. You just did and, some public math right there. Right. <laughs> and that's just putting your money in a market. And the minimal return you usually can, you probably see is 4%. So you look pretty well. Yeah. yeah you look pretty I, well doing nothing. 
five percent, let's say five mil, five percent of that. That's uh two fifty a year. Right. Pretty good. Tax that. Right. right. It's like still not bad. It's pretty so good. my so I'm gonna strive for that five million, get the dividend, and be filling traffic after that. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. That's I feel like uh gonna quote stack another one, Cody Sanchez, someone who has like 25 plus sources of cash flows. She said, uh, no one has real freedom if they don't have financial freedom. That is true. Yeah, absolutely right. So uh, we, I feel like we're in this, we're trying to fill our cup phase. And then after that, we could, we're in our like philosophical phase. <laughs> You're right. That's how it goes. I'm trying to fill other, other people's cups and teaching them what we learned. Right. But uh, yeah, any anything else? I think this this can go on. Let's continue it another time. <laughs> yeah, let's do it.